Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl and welcome one and welcome all to episode 15 of Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage Podcast. That's what it's all about, the sweet, sweet cagey goodness. Drizzle me in that honey, throw me to the wasp's nests, I surrender myself to the hornet that is Nick of this cage. Uh, welcome. How are you? You good? You well? Um, I feel we should address what this podcast actually does, because it occurs to me that other podcasts, they have some kind of introduction, uh, some kind of musical intro, or just something that lets returning in new listeners into what the whole point is. And I've just not done that because I've said, you know what, podcast rules, shove them up your arse, got no time for any of that. What we're doing, for better or worse, mostly because I'm bored and a sad, sad man, uh, we're watching all the Nicolas Cage films to achieve true Cage Nirvana. What does that entail? Don't worry about it. But it does mean that your heart and hog metaphorical, physical, literal, or otherwise, will grow three sizes on that day. Um, So, like I say, welcome. Welcome once. Welcome two times, but not three times, because we're not greedy here. We start, as we always do, with the Ian update. And what's he been up to this week, you may ask? Let me tell you. So he decided to, after bin day, move the bins that I have from outside the front of the house down to the side of the house, uh, he's not consulted us on this, he's not asked us about it. The bins were not stopping him getting into his house. The bins were not stopping the other neighbour on the side uh, with her cat, who has the face of Eric Cartman, from getting out of her garden. There was no reason for him to move them. He's just decided to take this course of action upon himself and do this. And I say, if this is the war that you want, if this is the petty little hill that you want to die on, then prepare to do battle, sir. Because I will not give in, I will not back down, I will not yield. And I'm going to move the bins back, maybe at 2 in the morning, maybe at 3.15 in the PM Eastern Standards Time. What is that in British time? I don't know, but he'll have to work it out. That's the kind of math riddle I'm throwing his way. Son of a bitch, who does he think he is? First he swaps the bins round, then he decides that he's going to move them. Not on my watch. Not in my Christian neighbourhood, sir. I will see you on the battlefield. I will meet you upon betwixt the landmines of our lives. And I will watch you burn. I will watch you burn. Now, I'd like to say that it ended there, and we can conclude that for next week. Oh, but uh, have a little... A few little tidbits that are thrown my way. So I mentioned the other week that he had some scaffolding up to get the side of his house painted. Um, Where we live, no one can see the side of his house, so I don't know who he's doing it for. It's not for me. I didn't ask him to do it. I would have told him to put his head in that paint and keep it there. But the scaffolding's come down, and um, he seems to be a little bit perturbed by the whole thing because when the scaffolding came down it looks like they broke one of his garden lights and uh, it sounds petty but if you've been following this podcast for any length of time you will know that brought me no end of pleasure I had a hearty laugh about it 
uh, on the toilet uh, helped help me void my bowels. Too much information for you, huh? Um, deal with it. Don't worry about it. Um, he damaged one of his little garden lights. This is what I'm saying. His garden's too small for all the all the riffraffery and tit tattery that he's got going on, and he needs to wind his neck in, in agricultural and literal terms. But I'm chalking this up as a win for your boy, and the second win of the week for your boy. Oh, that is 1991 Zanderley. We turn to 1991 in episode 15. Uh, this is a year where true ragers were born. Uh, two points, actually. One, that was me. I was born in 1991. And two, this is something I probably should have addressed 15 weeks ago when I definitely thought out what podcasting is and what it means. You should have like a fan base name for this. Um. Again, I don't. I honestly don't know how many people actually listen to this. I try not to pay attention to the numbers too much because it's. I don't know. I don't want to be skewed and put off by that. But I'm thinking, if we're going to have any name for this, whatever this show is, we're the Ragers now. This is Cage Rager, Nicholas Cage podcasts, and you, the listener, you are an honorary Rager. See, I hope you feel we're part of something now. Look at that, a community. I mean, I hate it when people say, oh, we're a family now, but we're not related. We don't have the same blood type. Uh, if I go down, your blood will probably do more harm to me than good. But community, that sounds fine. That sounds very neighbourhood watchy. Um, in a good sense, not a creepy suburban, let's kill the new guy that moves in kind of way. But that said, 1991, Zanderley, it's his only theatrical outing of the year, and it's described as... An erotic thriller. And I'll be honest, you had me at Nicolas Cage, but you fucking got me at Nicolas Cage and erotic. These are two things I've been preaching about this man's so far flawless career. Just like a Mortal Kombat victory, absolutely flawless. I mean, not that there was ever any doubt in my mind. But when you go into a Cage film, knowing that a raw dog is all but guaranteed. Let's just skip to the end here. 10 out of 10. What a victory for me. What a victory for you, the Ragers. And what a victory for cinema. But not for Ian. Because he gets nothing from us. Okay, let's make that very clear. So Zanderley also stars Judge Reinhold. Uh, you may recognise him as that uh, lovable, goofy cop from Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2 and 3 and as the guy that's not Tim Allen in the Santa Claus movies. Uh, he was nicknamed Judge, apparently, because he looks stern as a baby, but he's never been to law school. What a con artist. So in that respect, he's no different than Ian. And I have no time, as a rule of thumb, um, and a life rule, really, I have no time for ne'er-do-wells, vagrants, charlatans, nor pirates who refuse to wear socks. And Zanderley also stars... Erica Anderson as the titular Zanderley. You may also recognise her from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. And Steve Buscemi as a bag of turkey dinosaurs. So despite largely poor reviews upon release by these so-called critics, fake news, who know nothing about art, and only a meagre 33% on Rotten Tomatoes because critical websites are governed by cowards and snakes... Um, at least we've got good people like Nathan Rabin, 
who in an article for AV Club described Cage's role in Xanderly as, and I quote, the perfect role for Cage at his cagiest, as well as a secret success, especially for Cage buffs like you and me. And that's why you're here on the journey to true Cage Nirvana as we seek eternal paradise, the only way we know how, by watching every film the Cage Man has been in. So just before we get into the nitty and indeed the gritty, you can as ever seek us out on the usual social medias, uh, Cage underscore podcast on the Twitter, Cage Rage Pod on Instagram, uh, we're on YouTube where I swear to you I will upload the older episodes eventually, uh, we've got to give them some marinating time to let you get to the Spotify first, ambroncoffee.com forward slash Daryl Edge, if you want to chip something and throw something in my way, you don't have to, you don't have to, your listenership is all the reward I quite frankly enjoy, but if you want to share it around as well, and think there's anyone that may enjoy it, uh, a slightly different take on uh, Cage's filmography, if by different take you mean a man who will do anything to be noticed by Nicolas Cage and swirl his ball bags in his mouth, then throw them my way. That's what I'm offering to the world. This is my creative output. When I die, this, this will still be here, for better or worse. So, um, we go into Zandali, Zandalu, Zandalihi, uh, presented by Electric Pictures, which is appropriate because Nicolas Cage has never been anything less than electric in his entire career. And if you tell me that I'm uh, overstating it, um, then you're a liar, and this is a hill I will happily die on. We embark into all New Orleans, hilariously not to be confused with the old Orleans. Uh, just a little joke for all you Orleans fans out there. We get Judgy Boy, or Judgy Ryan, a.k.a. I think his name is Thierry, uh, but it's also pronounced Thier and Thier um, at different times. So we're just going to stick with Thier because that's the most common one that's pronounced in the film. Um, he's having a little shave. Zandley's dancing naked to the New Orleans vibes. No raw dog here. You know, so far, so thriller. But I'm sure it goes without saying that Nicolas Cage will provide us with the erotic elements. Uh, spoiler, he does. And spoiler, spoiler, this film, if you didn't know already, is going to teach all you younglings, all you ragers, how to fuck. Thierry goes to a bachelor's party in a fez. Um, already, here's the thing, we've got a lot of angles at play here. And suddenly Steve Buscemi is a prophetic criminal bin man. Not even six minutes in, Buscemi's running around riding on bin lorries and talking mumbo-jumbo. But then, the moment we've all been waiting for, Nick Cage appears. And he whips his hair with the force of a Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kick. He's sporting this outstanding mane of black hair, a skillfully comboed with a um, a moustache soul patch one two combo that would demand anyone's hog real or imaginary stand and salute at full mast honestly if the uh, the devil was just a casual guy going about his business to the grocery store on a wednesday this is what nicolas cage is in this film so at the same bachelor party johnny cage's character and tmi and johnny spends literally 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 no human time at all in accosting 
one of the working strippers before dousing her in what I assume is squirty cream and feasting upon her like she is not more than a tray of hors d'oeuvres. They then go back to Tia's apartment where Johnny meets Zanderly and we get a bit of backstory explaining their friends used to be artists back in the day. We then get a lovely bit of, um, and I dare say overacting and over over dramatical elements, which is, you might get it one or two times in this film, but we get this lovely quote from Johnny, just on the nature of having passion itself. I don't care who you are, Donald Trump, who the hell, without creativity, without life, then you are truly unable to go straight up the devil's ass. Look him right in the face, smile, and survive. Truly prophetic words there. Um, And my face watching Cage deliver these lines is just like Judge's face. Can't believe his luck that they're in the presence of the greatest actor of our generation talking about um, being crammed up the devil's anus. Uh, Eric Anderson just watched in sheer disbelief, uh, for better or worse. Jury's out on that one. Um, but, you know, if Nicolas Cage is going to cram anyone up the devil's anus, then I nominate myself as sacrifice just for the sheer sake that Cage Senpai will notice me as I take my last breaths. Um, he does also then, um, not even... 15, 20 seconds after the quote, make a, um, also a passing comment on the nature of, and I quote the cage meister here, Statch! Well, that's quite the situation to have women come over and take their clothes off for you. Yes, it is, darling. When that big red snatch is coming right up against your face like a freight train, it's pretty hard to paint, I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't know your situation, um, but if anything is coming at you like a freight train, then my advice would be to would be to move out of the way because you might be seriously injured. Uh, be it a train, be it a snatch. Um, there's a chance it's going to break your nose. Um, Johnny and Tierra also go on to discuss their pickup game with Sandily present. Is it an icebreaker for most people? I don't know. But for Nicolas Cage, uh, you know that he's gunning for an absolute three-way Rory D. Uh, now, we also find out about Zanderly. Um, not only does she jog, which of her character arc, she spends most of this film jogging. Um, she also works as a seamstress at Taylor's, a friend and her boss that she is seamstressing for, uh, a cross-dressing uh, New Orleans party-goer, tells her that she looks lethargic, and in no uncertain terms, uh, tells her that she needs to be raw dogged because that's what friends are for and that's the kind of advice that friends have to offer. Where would we be without our friends? Um, now back at Thiers, Johnny is painting a portrait. It's um, it's definitely a style. Again, I'm no artist, but it's it's a it's a it's a painting. Um, so far, the painting it's supposed to be the portrait of Thiers that Johnny's doing for him. But so far it looks like a Teletubby on acid if it was painted by Picasso. But Picasso was actually, uh, you know that little hoover with the eyes that steals the toast and the custard all the time? That little git. Um, yeah, that one. Again, I don't claim to be 
a painter. I don't claim to know the ins and outs or the styles or the artistic processes, but the only art I truly recognise is Nicolas Cage. Uh, now, throughout the film, Zanderley is very... Uh, I don't know if desperate is the right word, but very much yearning to have Thierry back to her in a sort of a sexual sense. She often reminisces about their old hogging days, and you can tell that Thierry uh, so eaten up and, and taken by a job that he never wanted. It's almost resentful um, of Sandali for this. And honestly, you would never see Nicolas Cage take such a stance. Cage will raw dog you all the way to the bank and pay bills on his hog alone. That's outstanding monetary value for you there. We learn that Thierry was formerly a some kind of hip beat poet in the New Orleans scene, uh, but he had to become a figurehead at his father's radio station and leave that life behind, uh, a move which has slowly but surely rendered him emotionally and physically distant from Zandali. Uh <laughs> Knock, knock. Who's that looking to hog your, your, your wife, your cook? It's only bloody Nicolas Cage. Uh, now, Zandali returns drunk from a night out, hoping to seek some sweet D, but Thierry retracts his hog right into his stomach like a turtle seeking refuge in its shell. A coward in the truest sense of the word. And yeah, you're right, Rages, a real Ian of a man. Zandali going out on an, another one of her runs uh, bumps into Johnny, who tells her in no uncertain terms that they'll be seeing a lot more of each other. So at some point, Kay just picked up on this uh, cuck atmosphere and thought, you know what, I'll be having a bit of that. And this is the kind of lead up to a dramatic raw ding that I can get behind. Oh yes, you you give me that erotically thrilling build, you, you dirty so-and-so. And about 26 minutes in, after presenting the painting to Thierry, which he describes as bold, a word I too would use for Ian's stance on his completely unintrusive positioning of my bins, Johnny makes his first moves on Zanderley and just plants one on a big old kiss apropos of nothing, and that's the only way Cage can operate, like a sexy, sexy ninja with giant balls of steel and also jizz. So shortly after that, we get, uh, as you'll hear in this quote here, Johnny's second proposition to sweet Zanderley. Spare a quarter for an old altar boy, baby! No. Which, as you can imagine, is a gamble in of itself. But then he shortly goes on to tell Zanderley. We're inevitable. I want to shake you naked and eat you alive, Zanderley. And just again for the benefit of those who didn't quite catch that, I want to shake you naked and eat you alive. Who else but Cage? Um, and I'm going to put this out there. He can shake me anytime and put me in a hospital bed if it means that he finally looks me in the fucking eye. Um, outstanding. What an outstanding lie to someone that you don't really know. Um... For someone that you have, you can't assume what their um, sexual <laughs> sexual situation is. Um, I mean, he must have some kind of sixth sense for picking up on stuff. I think this only works 
if you were speaking to someone exclusively called Zanderley New Orleans in 1991, if it's any other situation outside of that time scale, unfortunately, I think you're shit out of luck and you will end up in prison if you say that to anyone. So all the best. Let me know how it goes on the uh, on the usual social media. Um, but then we get, I mean, we get a lot of good quotes in the space of about five minutes here. And then we skip ahead about a minute here to get a quote that I feel um, really sums up the perfect relationship. I mean, say what you like about New Orleans, but there is no shortage of alleyways and convenient side passages with which to take your best friend's wife and then shortly finger blast her. Um, so she drops pan, she gets finger blasted before she gets brought up to his studio apartment for the raw dogging that we've been waiting 30 minutes for. And then post-dogging, he finger paints her to clearly mark his territory from chest down to pubis, because he's a very big boy. Erotic thriller, more like thrillingly erotic. Get me a bag of ice to sit on, because I am now both hot and bothered. It's 30 degrees Celsius outside, and 27 of those degrees on Nicolas Cage rutting on Zanderley. A little bit later, at a dinner, um, Johnny tries to get himself a little bit, a handful of Zanderley thigh, even though he's already brought a date with him but it's met with a fork to the hand in response uh, the date that is brought with him just seems to nibble on his ear like a handful of your local pub's finest salted peanuts he makes no excuses about following Zanderley to the kitchen where under the guise of helping with the dishes we've all heard that one before he gets a swift blowy for his troubles before they bang on the washing machine uh, now it's assumed here that Terry is clocked on and he stares straight into the camera lens like a complete and utter cuck, and you're reminded that Judge, he uh, he helped bankroll this with his production company, because I think he was quite uh, eager to prove himself um, as, a, as a non-comedic actor, but was swiftly and viciously miscast in this, uh, what can only be described as a film. Um, what a fucking game. Johnny and Sandali's sexual escapades continue, with Johnny even asking her if um, him finger-blasting her is poetry. But it's not a rhetorical question, because I'll answer that for you. Uh, yeah. Yes, it bloody is. He's my husband. Not when I'm here. <laughs> Cage, you dirty dog. Even though he doesn't technically have any concrete evidence, Tier turns to drinking. Uh, Johnny asks Zan to move in with him because, and I quote, because people die. Um, says people die, your husband's going to die one day, so that being the case, uh, YOLO. Zandali tries to walk away from this, but um, while they're at a church, no less, he pulls her into a confessional booth and roars her from behind under the guise of his hog being a true miracle. Now, nothing in my experience of making this podcast has contradicted any of that yet. Zandali and Thierre finally talk, even though she's still got the good grace of the holy cage inside her. Uh, Thierre doesn't really want to confirm his suspicions about Cage's hog, and honestly, 
why would you seek confirmation of the hog superior? She still wants that sweet bang, but he still wants to be a cook, so the similarities to William persist. Zanderly truly is art imitating life. Johnny meets Tier in a local bar where the bartender just looks like some street fighter character, in all honesty. Um, Tier does all but confirm his suspicions of Cage pleasuring his wife, like the ruddy cuckold he is, saying that he's going to take her through a, um, a romantic getaway of some description to the bayou. Um, I don't know if that is a romantic place, so anyone who lives in New Orleans, feel free to get in touch and tell me what it's like. Is is the bayou good hogging territory? Let me know in the usual socials. And if the guys are doing this, it's basically accept her forgiveness, which is definitely what people do before murdering and burying bodies. We've all seen crime documentaries on Netflix. That's exactly how it works. So then um, T and Z scoot around in the little speedboat for a bit, which I can confirm is not the type of thing you do when you're hungover like Tierra's. I can barely leave my toilet without uh, wanting to sell my soul to Lucifer himself. But if it works for Ian 2 here, um, which clearly it does, his little moustache and all, and then he finally, I mean, good for him, I suppose, uh, gives his wife the raw dogging she's been seeking for the hour that this film has been on, and I must add that she wasn't as uh, wasn't as half into it as she was with the Nicolas Cage, though I think it goes without saying. But speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Thierry encounters Johnny and wonders what took him so long before inviting him to Third Wheel, like the capital C U C K he is. Just watch him fuck your wife and be done with it already, you loser. Um, they then dance to some Cajun music on a dock for reasons entirely unknown unless you are a celebrity couple in week one of Strictly Come Dancing I think this is the kind of thing that Bayou bros do before dropping their car keys into a bowl and seeing where the night takes them now Johnny does want to take Zanderly home, Thierry pulls a gun from uh, apparently out of his anus because it comes out of nowhere I think, and he gets a bit crazy um, just firing random shots so they all get in the boats to fish for other wives which I believe is how cooking works. Answers on a postcard again there. This is kind of like my gripe with this film, is that you can tell that Judge Reinhold honestly believed this role was going to be his big breakout moment. Um, don't think it really worked that way. And unsurprisingly, poor uh, poor Erica would retire from the Hollywood scene of acting and modelling only nine years later, clearly traumatised by a... Um, this whole ordeal. Not by Nicolas Cage, if anything was going to inspire her to carry on, but he can only do so much. So speeding along in the boat, Johnny manages to tip Tier out into the bayou. Sandily wants to rescue him. Johnny wants to raw dog, despite hitting her in the face. Um, it's all very dramatic in that, and by that I mean it's all of this. Um, I suppose not just the scene, the film as a whole is entirely unnecessary and confusing but what isn't confusing though is and i know you've been you've been wondering about this bit it's random cage scream of the week so here tier like jack in titanic basically chooses to drown um biting cage's neck instead of accepting his rescue very stubborn big jerk move refusing 
to let our Lord and Saviour save you, and then fuck your wife is just a blatant sin. Um, so he drowns. Zandali and Johnny basically let this happen. So Zandali gets sad, and Johnny gets tequila, um, equivalent exchange, and all that. So I think still processing the loss of his uh, friend in his own way, he tries to make some stuff happen by selling some of his paintings, including the one at Tier, um, even though that's kind of his least favourite one. And then we end up getting, which I think is arguably the most one of the most important builds of the film, to some real cage gold, a true masterclass of the form we call acting. This is really the best one. I mean, to me, you really broke free on this one. Well, that's an old one. Yeah, but it's a really good direction that you're heading in. You know, maybe you should try and get back to it. You're going to be fucking dead. I'm going to be standing next to Picasso and Vincent. So get the fuck out of here. Some might say that's a slight overreaction to someone showing an interest in your paintings, which can probably make you a bit of money. Even more hilariously, he uh, then offers him a cup of coffee, which uh, goes nowhere. So this is why I say it now, art. Um, far too confusing for me, but if Nicolas Cage tells you that you're going to be dead, then maybe that art piece is just of no value whatsoever. And then not even 40 seconds later, he goes and covers himself in oil paint, which shows a commitment to the art and the craft of acting. In this clip I'll show you now, which is method it's masterclass. It's truly raging. Um, but also for any actual artist that may have watched this, I can only imagine the look of horror in your face as you see the money wasted on uh, oil paints, which <laughs> I have it on good authority or not cheap. Just perfection of the craft. Absolutely wonderful acting all around there. I couldn't help but wonder as well. I mean, you know, it takes long enough to wash paint off your hands when you're doing finger painting and little hand splodges and stuff. But how long does it take, do you think, to get black oil paint out of your body and hair when you've absolutely smeared yourself in it like a pig rolling around in shit? Um, which is kind of kind of what this film is, except for Nicolas Cage who gives a 10 out of 10 performance and don't you dare ever say that he doesn't. Um, in real life though, it must have taken him a long time to wash that out which is, uh, this is what I'm saying that he's a method actor, he's more committed to the craft than you are to breathing air I don't know what else to tell you at this point um, so after a wash um, or five Johnny meets Anderley in her apartment and explains that he couldn't save Tia. She strikes at him, 
but he quickly turns into a Rory, as does any confrontation with Nicolas Cage, before she drops his name in the fit of passion. Um, instant softy for the Cage Meister there, and I don't know about you, but nothing turns me off more than saying the name of a dead husband in the throes of a uh, big jerk move from uh, from Zandy there. Uh, but Zandy D runs away, and Johnny pursues her before some druggy shoots at Johnny, but Zan just kind of walks into the bullets. It's a real left turn ending. Um, the real tragedy is wondering who Johnny's hog will be dedicated to now. He then carries her body through the streets of New Orleans for no reason. I assume he's off to trade her into CEX for a fiver or some shit. It's very much open to interpretation. Um, and that's uh, where the, and that's where the film ends. That's how, that's how it ends. Um, I mean, you get, you do kind of get this feeling that Zandali was likely meant to put in star-making turns for Judge Reinhold and Eric Randerson in some uh in some like pre basic instinct esque kind of way. Whereas Nicholas Cage didn't need the spotlight really because he was already making waves on his own journey to becoming the greatest actor of our generation. Overall I think it's fair to say that this film is all kinds of glorious gold plated trash in the best sense. Um there's so much overacting and unnecessary tragedy that it's quite easy to appreciate this film as part of uh, the Cage legend. Um, and this is a film that I didn't know I wanted to see. Now, not just in sense of the podcast, but if you've ever um, if you've ever seen the video Nicolas Cage loses his shit on YouTube and wondered where the part at the end showing him covering himself in paint came from, well, Zandali is your answer. So, you know, by the time this comes to an end, it's a 90-minute runtime. We ask ourselves, what did we learn from Zandali? And the way I see it is that fucking another man's wife is all fun and games until the wife gets shot and the husband intentionally drowns himself. Ian, if you're listening, you know what you need to do. As for me, though, not only is this a, as a Nicolas Cage film, of course, a straight... 10 out of 10 um, even though I'd give it a bronze Nicolas Cage and even though the raw dogging was as on point as I think any Nicolas Cage film is going to be as the credits rolled I couldn't help but feel like I had gone straight up the devil's own ass looked him right in the face and smiled as he fucked my wife and with that said that brings us to the end of episode 15 of Cage Rage and Nicolas Cage Podcast. As ever, you can find us on the usual social medias, Cage underscore podcast on Twitter, Cage Rage Pod on Instagram, on Spotify and YouTube, and coffee.com forward slash Daryl Edge if you want to support in those ways that you can. Uh, but here's to the end of another episode in the Cage filmography, as next week we go on to the year that followed 1991, spoiler, 1992, with Honeymoon in Vegas. So until then, keep on, keep on caging. Bye.